Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Hi, and welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. This week, my guest is Robert Cox. This is his second time uh, being a guest on the podcast. He is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Missouri. He specializes in trauma, addictions, and autism, and he is also the host of the Mindful Recovery podcast. Today, The podcast gets a little more um, personal and political after some of the events in Washington, D.C. over the last few weeks. It felt important to me to address my concerns about victim shaming, victim blaming, um, and what we as a community and as a culture can do differently or do better. So Robert and I explore that a little bit today, and I hope you get something out of the conversation. Here's my interview with Robert. Hi, Robert, and welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. Hi, Biz. Thanks for having me here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you back, and you were one of my very first guests, and I can remember like working through all kinds of technological problems because I really hadn't done it before. And so it's nice. (laughs) So it's nice to come back feeling, well, maybe a little more professional, but also just to have you back, which is exciting. We all go through that giant pain in the ass learning curve with the podcast, don't we? Yes, 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 we do. (laughs) Yes, we do. So this time, Robert and I are going to be talking about uh, abuse and um just why abuse victims shouldn't have to protect themselves against abuse, that this is something cultural and that we need to change. But Robert, before we jump into that, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your podcast and your blogging and all the work that you're doing? Sure. Um, I blog currently for Thrive Global. I've written a lot about this topic of sexual abuse and assault for Huffington Post blog at one time, too, and then they shut down their blogging option, and I followed Ariana Huffington over to uh, uh, Thrive Global. Oh, nice. Um, So now I'm blogging over there. Um, I own Life Recovery Consulting in a little rural part of Missouri near Kansas City. Um, I um, specialize in trauma, addictions, and autism. Um, Trauma kind of rocks my world. Um, I really... It did at one time just as as a survivor of trauma and 30 like next week I celebrate 30 years clean from my own addiction to methamphetamine and cocaine and marijuana and whatever else I get my hands on Hmm. and um, you know and so as I grew in my own recovery I kind of took on this area and decided I want to get my master's and start really you know just kind of digging in and then the geek side of me took hold and I started doing research on the brain and (laughs) decided trauma was where I wanted to be. And so that's where I've been the past 
many moons. And uh, I have a podcast called Life Recovery Consulting. Or I mean, no, I'm sorry. I'm Life Recovery Consulting. I have a <laughs> podcast called Mindful Recovery. But as you can tell, I haven't produced an episode in a while. I've been dealing with fam- family issues for the past six months. And so I haven't put out a new episode. I hope to get to that in the next month or so. So Awesome. awesome. Well, it was interesting. Um, I was looking at your you know, your episodes on your podcast today and tuned into almost to the day two years ago and your podcast on uh, sexual assault and our government ignoring and the people ignoring calls from women saying they had been sexually abused by our current president. And yeah, um, I thought that was interesting that I, just that it was two years ago and here we are again in very similar circumstances. You know, I wrote in one of my blogs that my job ultimately is to put myself out of business. <laughs> and yeah. I, I really wouldn't mind going back to being a woodcarver or something, you know? Um, yeah. I just don't see that's ever going to happen. And And right now we've been going the opposite direction when we have – Elected someone who does not take seriously but openly brags about sexual assault and getting away with it. And when we have put someone on the bench who is probably guilty of rape or attempted rape. Yeah. I don't see myself getting less busy. No, unfortunately. Yeah, me either. Um, But I, you know, I think the thing that is so um, head scratching, difficult, uh, hard for me to wrap my head around is how as a culture, we have made it, you know, the victim or the survivors or the abusees. Yeah, it's, it's insane, because here's the thing. And I've, I've heard a lot of this talk over the past few weeks, to the point that it's made me physically ill at some points, mm-hmm. that, you know, this, um, well, we live in a country where you're innocent until proven guilty. And we do. And we should. I don't question that. What I question is, if there was a case where a person was assaulted, beaten half to death, and robbed, and and someone is arrested for that, we assume that they're innocent until the prosecutor can prove them guilty. What we don't allow is the defense to put the victim on trial and say – Well, were you walking down the street with pockets full of money? Why were you doing that? Had you had any drinks that night? What were you doing in a neighborhood where you knew there was high crime? We don't allow the interrogation of the victim of the crime as a way of trying to prove the innocence of the accused. That's ridiculous. Part of this is because we don't do that in part. And I'm sorry to interrupt, but now you got Mm -hmm. me off on a – you lit my fire. Go and for so, it. Now, <laughs> you know, part of the reason we don't do that is because of women, because women and children are property in this system. And they have been for millennia yeah. under this Judeo-Christian Western civilization. And I am a Christian myself, so don't come at me with this. Don't blame Christianity stuff. But it is this Western culture that has developed, that has seen women and children as property. Yeah. Along with people of color. Yes. Oh, yes. Minorities. Yeah, minorities. I mean, we can talk about how, you know, the whole reason the electorate system was created was to keep the South happy and give them power by counting slaves as, all right, you can be two-thirds of a person, right? Mm -hmm. Women didn't even get that respect. Yeah. 
you weren't a person at all. Right. When you got married in this country, you came with a dowry. And that was your father's way of saying, well, she's cost me a hell of a lot. So here's some money. And now she's yours. Yeah. She's your property. Mm. Women didn't own anything. Yeah. No, they couldn't. They couldn't. When you went with your dowry to your husband, then he owned everything that you had. That has not changed that much. We may be putting women in corporate positions. We may be putting women in positions of power, but we have not changed that mentality. Women are still property. Children are still property as far as the mentality goes in this society. And until we change that, we're going to continue to question how it could be their fault that they got attacked. Just like we question how it could be the minority's fault that he was shot in his own apartment. And the first thing we do is kick the door in and go looking for weed in the apartment so we can make it his fault. Right. These people are property. And they are seen as such. And property has no rights in our society. No. Certainly not presume that anything happened to you until you can prove that. Right, right. And not only can prove that, but can prove, can prove how you didn't bring it on. Yeah. How you were not a participant in it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We don't charge anybody in this country with murder and then expect the murdered or their family to prove that they were not complicit in their own killing. No. Well, and even I, I was I was reading uh, probably a Facebook post, but something out there in the media where someone said no one is no one is questioning the men who were abused by priests what their right. role in the abuse was. Why? Because men aren't property. Right. Right. Men have rights. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes, lots of rights. And white men That's, have the most rights. About <laughs> how we've come from 50% to 75 or 80% in pay parity. None of that matters until we stop viewing people as property on a subconscious level. And when you're viewed as an object, you know, as as property, it diminishes your voice and it diminishes your ability to, well, to be heard, but also... I think, and I know you talk about this too, but the ability to feel confident and supported when you do speak up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, and it's very personal for me because I've seen this play out with friends. I've seen this play out with family. I've, you know, it's just. Mm. Yeah. and, And so, you know, I get accused of not having soft skills because I don't sit patiently and quietly when I hear these things. Well, it's hard. It's hard to sit patiently and quietly when, you know, I know you have a daughter. I know, I mean, I have sons. You know, I know what's happened to their friends and myself, you know. I mean, just the people. Yeah. And, yeah, just the things I've experienced in my life. And and beyond that, it's about, for me, it's about the kind of society I want to live in. And this ain't it. Yeah. This is not close right now. No. Well, and and when, so when people are viewed as objects or as property, it makes it very easy to blame them, to put the blame on them. Like, well, it must have been your fault because you drank too much. You wore the wrong thing. You were in the wrong neighborhood or at the wrong bar or the wrong whatever. And, you know, it also brings up another thing in my mind, and I want to cover this just a little bit with you because... I think the power of your podcast is its ability to educate. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and your geographic region is is an area that I would love to see, you know, this message get out especially. And yeah. that is that the way that the brain reacts to trauma mm-hmm. and manages trauma. And, you know, there was a lot of talk about why didn't she remember for 30 years? I, I know you see this. I see this all the time. I had two cases come in this week. Mm-hmm. I had one of them was a man who came out of a hospital this week. Wow. Had no memory of stuff that had happened until certain natural triggers in the environment that nobody would even pay attention to. And bam, he's on his knees crying about what has happened to him. Yeah. Because he suddenly remembers it and it's confused his family, his wife, everyone. Nobody knows. This is trauma, right? Because when something happens, and I'm going to go a little neuro geek on you here. Do it, do it. <laughs> when when something when something happens traumatic, the part of our brain that can think, that can reason, that can communicate, and the part where memories are stored, shuts off. It shuts off because the part just underneath it, called your limbic region, and there's a little device in there called the amygdala, and it flips. It's just an on-off switch. Yeah. And it, it sorts through all of the sensory data in your environment, and it says, is this safe? Is this not safe? And if it says, this is not safe, it flips the switch, and it turns off all of the top part of your brain and short-circuits it. And it does that because the top part of your brain takes four to six seconds to make a decision on how to react. That little switch makes that decision 30 times as fast in about a fifth of a second. Mm. That's life-saving time. And so your brain was devised to protect you. And when something traumatic happens, that switch flips and the top part of your brain cannot store those memories anymore. And so it pushes those memories down along the vagus nerve into the body. And those memories get stored in the tissues of the body. And to a large extent, if they're too hard to handle and they start to come up or they start to surface or something starts to remind you, often I devise this nice little system where – I dissociate or I completely shut off and I say, nope, not going there. That can that can stay just fine as a little anxious feeling that I don't understand in my body. Right. Right? Yep. And 30 years later, I smell grass and rain at the same time. And I don't know why, but suddenly I feel in my body as if I'm being raped on the ground. Mm. Right? Yeah. And I don't get why. Yeah. And it's confusing. And then I start having memories pop up, and I'm falling apart, and I don't get it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because all that's coming back. And it's coming back because it was stored in the body instead of the top of the brain. One of the unique little features about storing it in the top of the brain is I store it with a timestamp. Right. And, and, and you can access it more easily. <laughs> well, and so I remember my Colorado fishing vacation with my kids – a few years ago was, oh, gosh, that happened in 2016, and that was such a fun time, right? Mm-hmm. But because it couldn't be stored there and it was stored in my body when it was trauma, there was no time stamp. And this is PTSD. Mm. It comes back to me, and it feels like it's happening now, and it's happening again, and it's happening in real time, and that's too much. So what do I do? I start the trauma cycle over. I can't process it, so I push it down in my body again, and it stays hidden. Mm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I would like to dispel once and for all this myth that you can't just suddenly remember something 30 years later. In fact, I would say not only does it not mean that it didn't happen, but when it comes up all of a sudden and it's intense like that, it means it was incredibly real. 
and incredibly painful, or you would have remembered it long before now, right? And so for me, it doesn't make a woman who says, this happened to me, I could feel it everywhere in my body, I know it happened. That doesn't make her less credible to me, that makes her more credible to me. Yeah, well, and... and Because she's describing to me exactly how the brain works. Well, and describe too, like you know, yes, stored in the body, but also these visual images like flashbacks and nightmares, like it can be when you do remember or when it surfaces even a little bit, like it can be such a clear picture of where you were and what, who was there and what was Absolutely. happening. Oh, sorry. I remember speaking to a therapist who is an absolute rock star at EFT. And I remember him telling me as he was in tears about a patient that he had, and he met with her in a church, and there was a cross on the pastor's wall where he was meeting in that office. And as soon as her eyes hit that cross, she completely dissociated. She was gone. And he got her out of that room, realizing something had triggered her, but not what. And he told me that she recounted to him once she felt more safe being raped by a priest and and laying on the floor as a child and only being able to stare at the crucifix on the wall and think to herself, why are you letting this happen to me? Oh, my gosh. She didn't remember that for decades, but it happened. Mm-hmm. The other side of the coin is there's this classism in our society that – Because you have power or wealth, you are entitled to do what you would like to do. Yeah. This is how people like Bill Cosby get away with it for decades. And this is where the old boys network comes from. I see that a lot with athletes in the work I do who have been given their way and allowed to get away with whatever because they have a certain level of fame which gives them power. Even on the college level, especially on the college level, I mean, this is what the entire – Penn State fiasco was about, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Don't, yes. Don't don't destroy a powerhouse football program by mentioning the fact that young men are being groomed and raped. Children are property. The program's important. Yeah, and even the, I mean, to me, just the heartbreak around all of this is that it seems like then when it is being challenged, when the power structure is being challenged by these. Um, accusations and, you know, these memories of the people who were abused, it creates this sort of lashback of, again, like blaming the victims, or this isn't true, or, and it's just so destructive for the people coming forward and sharing their stories. I mean, yes, that's healing too, to be able to speak your voice and say what happened. But then when, like, I think of Dr. Ford, who now is in hiding because of all the death threats and craziness that's happening because she spoke up about what happened to her. Right? Yeah. Well, and thinking back to, I recently read, I can't think of the book, but just talking about slavery in the Deep South and in Florida and how black women had no voice like there was no if you spoke up or fought back like you were dead or your children were taken away from you or you were shipped off to some other slave owner that would abuse you again and yeah if you want to be a marginalized in our society try being someone of color and female at the same time yeah yeah oh 
it just feels so broken and the just watching all the white male politicians spew this venom and anger towards the women who were speaking up just ah uh, just broke my heart but it also just made me so mad <laughs> because it's acceptable right now and there is a conspiracy of silence on the other side of the fence too and then i don't think they do nearly the job of organizing and rabble rousing as they should yeah and i think a lot of that is because many of the many of them are, are afraid of being found out and thrown out of their own seats yeah you know if you stir up the masses too much then they'll think they can actually have power right? well well right and so right um, but i just you know i get really overwhelmed at times with all of this yeah and me it, too. it can burn you out Yes. It can make you stay in bed with the covers over your head for days if you let it. Mm-hmm. But I remember a story about Leo Tolstoy who was deeply concerned about the poverty he saw around him and and basically gave away everything he had, much to the chagrin of his wife, hmm. who then left him, right? <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but and be, went into this suicidal depression because he couldn't solve that problem. Yeah, and I think one of the things I've heard is that one of the things that saved him was this realization he came to that I can't be responsible for all of it. I have to add my light to the sum of light, and just know that that's enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, you're only one vote, but you're one vote. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, yeah, what we saw after the Anita Hill fiasco was that more women were elected to power than any time in the history of the United States and any time since. And this is my hope, you know, and we need that. Well, and two, we need more men that are willing to speak up and play their part in supporting women but also uh yeah not shaming and raising men that recognize that this isn't okay to treat people and that, you know, as that objects I, uh, I, that how difficult is that just to say to my son you, you don't take what you want you yeah. don't do that at walmart you don't do that with your girlfriend right you don't take what you want you know, I absolutely. How, that's how, how I've. That? that is how I've raised my three sons. So I, yeah, None. it's not. You know? Yeah, it's. This is why my head wants to explode when I see a president saying, "Well, it's going to be very hard for men in a Me Too world." No, it's not. No, right. it's only going to be hard for men who think they can rape and sexually abuse and get away with it. Right. Yes, it would. It I should be hard to, for them. <laughs> I want it to be hard for them. Yeah. Right? Yes, absolutely. I'm not afraid of someone in the Me Too movement. No. Oh, yeah. Because I've never been raised with the idea that I should be able to take what I want. Mm. Yes. That's like saying it's going to be really hard for people when we make it harder to to steal things in Walmart. Yeah. No, it's not. Unless they're inclined to go in Walmart and steal things. Right. You know? Right. (laughs) That's ridiculous. So it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. It it is. It is ridiculous and it's well, yeah, it's like, oh, it's too bad there isn't slavery anymore. It's really hard. Like, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> no. No. This but is you not- know what you know what is really hard? Is if you're a a white man with power, 
you might have to give up some of that privilege. Yes. Yes. That's what's hard, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and, 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 and honestly, even even in men who are in the margins there, and they're not bad people, but they're seeing a world that's changing around them, and it triggers their own amygdala, their own fear response. Okay, so this world's changing, and now it's about women and empowering them. Where does that leave me? Mm-hmm. Leaves well, you where you should have always been, man, right by their side. Well, and that's the thing. It's like it's not about shifting it so the women are all in power and the men have no voice. It's about sharing power. It's about, it's about all the you voices. Should, you should always have been walking side by side. That's all. Yeah. Men, women, black, white, all minorities. Yeah. I just, and yeah, <laughs> everyone. All of, this, all of this is about, about triggering the fear in people's brains, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why we get up and say silly things like, this is going to make it really hard for men in the world. No, it's not. Not most of us, Mm-mm. just the pinheads, you know, <laughs> yep. it's not, it's not, but th- we say that because we want to trigger the fear center of the brain. We don't want Mexicans coming in because they're all rapists, right? No, they're not. Right. No, they're we're just not. saying that to trigger the fear center of the brain. That's yeah. all. And, yeah. and you're trying to trigger the fear center so people will follow you and you won't have to give up your power. Yeah. Well, it just, right. It just creates this us versus them scenario that doesn't have to be. Right. And if you're one of us, then the big powerful people at the top will protect you. So offer us some words of hope and healing for all of this craziness that's happening. So look at history. This is what I say. Look at history. You cannot stop the forward progression of the people ever throughout history. Mm. Look at history. Darkness never lasts. It rises up for a while, and we're in that period now, and I'm hoping it won't last another two decades, but I'm. But it never lasts forever. You can't hold back progress forever. One time, Bishop Desmond Tutu came to university where I was attending, and I, would, I had the pleasure of listening to him speak. And, you know, he talked about how people – this was during apartheid. Mm-hmm. He talked about how people were meant for freedom the same way that flowers were meant for the sunshine. And no matter if you put a box over them or not, you could not keep them from reaching for the sun. And people would always reach for freedom. That's my view. Yeah. You know, in the meantime, it gets really hard because it's really dark and and we have to sit with people who have been brutalized, and we have to try and convince them that the world can be safe when we don't damn well. It's probably not going to be for a long time. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Well, I'm grateful that there are people like you, other therapists, friends, and just friends who are there in the light and offering hope. Yeah, I think we do, you know, what the early Christians did when they were under the control of Rome and being hunted. Um, we meet in small communities and we commiserate and we, and we worship and study and meditate together and we keep moving forward. We find strength in these small communities that we can develop the strength to resist. Well, thanks for being a part of my community. <laughs> Yeah, well, thanks for having me a part of it. (laughs) 
are more than a few communities that won't want me. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I may alienate some of my communities after this podcast episode, <laughs> but that's okay. That's yeah, okay. I hope not, but uh, I, my point really is education. I don't want to throw anybody out. I don't want to throw out any babies with the bathwater. No, absolutely not. No, I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want to be, right. I want the society itself to be more welcoming and open for everyone. So do you have any either tips or upcome, you know, anything that you would like to offer to the audience around trauma and staying safe and i i think n- number one you know me start on mindfulness practice yeah to create a holding space for yourself through all of this so you're not as reactive yourself mm-hmm. so that when it is necessary you can turn your own fear brain off right yeah um so begin that second consider media diets look i'm as guilty as the next person of getting home and flipping between CNN and MSNBC and PBS and the latest news and turn that crap off every now and then. Absolutely. Yes. Take a break. Let, let your brain heal from all that stuff because that is a huge amount of negativity going on. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Well, and it feeds um, the fear. So take a break from media. Absolutely. Take I, a break from media. And that includes Facebook media. Are there uh, are there things coming up for you in your practice or uh, in your world I'm, that you would like to talk about? I have been working around the state of Missouri and doing a six CEU workshop on autism as a trauma event and what that means for implementing supports and how we get better outcomes if we calm the brain before we try and teach someone new tricks Mm. and how autism shapes the brain in exactly the same way as early developmental trauma. So um, I am going to try and convert that into an online training for therapists and other uh, professionals in the field the first of this year. Uh, Outside of that, I'm going to try to get some podcast episodes up and running again. And I'm expanding this practice in northern Missouri to try and we're going to try and build something that will be multi-county to bring resources to people who would not otherwise have resources out here. There's a huge in this part of the state. There's a huge trafficking issue that goes on. There's a lot of child and sexual abuse that goes on out here. Yeah. So that was why I decided to build out here. So we're looking for the first time after a year of being here, I'm getting ready to expand, I think. Cool. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. That's amazing. And um, thanks so much for being here on the podcast. I'll share your, so you're at liferecoveryconsulting.org or .com, either one. All right. Well, thanks, Robert. I really always enjoy chatting. Thank you, Biz. Thanks again, subscribers and listeners. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate your support and encouragement. If you have thoughts and ideas on what you would like to have uh, me talk about here at Woman Warriors, you can reach me through my website, womanwarriors.com or progressioncounseling.com. I really enjoyed talking to Robert, which I always do. Uh, He is a wealth of knowledge about the brain and trauma and I don't typically talk about politics here on Women Warriors, but I felt as if the events in 
and around Washington, D.C. over these last few weeks has increased a lot of women's and survivor, trauma survivors, uh, anxieties. And so I thought it was important to address. I hope you got something out of the conversation. Have a wonderful week. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.